Well, good morning to you. Happy loss of one hour of sleep day. All right. Uh, the, uh, I tell you, God is glorious. And I woke up this morning and he really challenged me with the question early this morning. In fact, I woke up and I kind of set up out of bed and it was dark, of course. And so I laid back down and before I could get back up, God just kind of punched me spiritually with the question. I want to ask you the same question this morning. Um, here's a question for you. Might be a great question for you to write down, to take with you, to ask other people. But are you known for knowing Jesus? God asked me that. He's like, Joel, this is bright and early. Joel, are you known for knowing me? And so then I ask you the same question. Are you known for knowing Jesus? Because I'm talking and I'm walking through a series called Speak Your Heart. And it's the words, it's the tongue, it's the language, it's everything that comes out of our mouth. Knowing that it's really just a reflection of our heart. And so it's incredibly important for us to be able to, be able to evaluate. But I want to begin with asking the question, are you known for knowing Jesus? Because this is crucial. Because honestly, if, if you're not known for knowing Jesus... That's a heart issue. That's a transformation issue. Pastor Nathan was talking about that for his own life earlier, right? If you're not known for knowing Jesus, which is a heart issue, then really you don't care about this that much. And I'll go ahead and throw this out. In the earlier service this morning, I said this at the very end. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. Listen, the only reason we have a problem using this to speak of the greatness of Jesus Christ is because we have a problem with this. And so we're talking about the power of language and everything else, but before we can go any further, I want to read for you, and it's an amazing passage from the book of Ephesians. And I, I started this year in January walking through uh, Ephesians, and if you weren't here, fine, but I'll go ahead and tell you, the first half is really about who Jesus is. The second half is, well, if that's who Jesus is, this is how I should now live. It's kind of the book of Ephesians. And here in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, I want to read this for you just to hopefully kind of spur on your heart to kind of put those, uh, you know, those battery cables up to your heart to shock it a little bit because it's an amazing passage that I hope it will encourage you. It says the following, it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, isn't that cool visual? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, open to God. That's my prayer for us as we walk in this morning and as we worship him, right, and declare his greatness, but also hear his truth in the scripture to be able to have the eyes of our heart enlightened and open to him. I pray that for you right now, that God would open your hearts so the eyes of your heart could see him clearly. So he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Know and have the hope to which he has called you. God has called you. Knowing that God has called you, there is tremendous hope. And you need to know right now, hope cannot be defined apart from Jesus Christ. Hope is eternal. Hope is Christ. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is knowing that Jesus saved us from our own sin so we could have eternity with the Father. Knowing what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He's like, hey, you need to have hope because what I have for you is so amazing. It's so astounding. It's, it'll blow your mind. And he says, and what is the immeasurable, this is verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power 
toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Like he wants to know, he wants to make sure that you know the greatness of his power, the greatness of his strength, the greatness of his might. And he wants you to know it. And if you're not understanding what kind of might and power and strength it really is, he then tells you. He says that he worked in Christ and when he was raised, he raised him from the dead. And then he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. If you don't believe the might and the strength and the power that God really wants you to know that he has. He says, this is the type of might and strength and power it really is. I raised my son from the dead after he took your sin so that you may have eternal life. That's power. And he wants you to know that type of power, that type of strength, and that type of might. That's what he wants. And so my prayer is that God this morning would open the eyes of our heart to him. That whatever is going on, that you can set it aside for a moment and have the eyes of your heart enlightened to his greatness. Because when I look at this passage and when I start thinking about what I'm going to be addressing today, we need to remember. We need to remember what we're a part of. That the God of creation has called us to be a part of his work and his ministry. We need to remember what we are a part of, the kingdom of God. And we should be thrilled that we get to come into his presence. In the earlier service, the door opened partway through and Nathan could see a family in the earlier service. He said running through the parking lot in order to get here because they were late. They, were, they, were right there. they knew they were missing worship. Isn't that what we get to do? Shouldn't we be that excited, that thrilled to worship God that we're like, if we're even a minute, a second late, in fact, if you're not here 10 minutes early because you just want to come and sit in, in the presence of God, you're running through the parking lot because we get to worship the king of all kings. Like that's why I just want to shake us and go, God is magnificent. He's amazing. And he wants to open and enlighten your, the eyes of your heart to know his strength and his power in your life and in the life of your family and everything else. We need to be thrilled that we get to come and to worship him. We get to hear the gospel. We get to listen to the gospel. We get to speak the gospel. We get to preach the gospel with our lives. We get to use our words to tell others about what matters more than anything else in all of eternity. And his name is Jesus. And so that's my prayer for us today because we're talking about speaking our heart. We're speaking our words and the tongue and how we really use our language. But if we don't understand this, and it really just doesn't matter. It really just doesn't matter. And so my prayer is that God would reveal himself to us today. Why? Because we know that our words are a reflection of our heart and we know that our words have tremendous power. Our words have tremendous power. I mean, you can all think back. I just encourage you right now. Think back to a time in your child, childhood when someone said something that you, that you still remember. I, I can think of them right now. Right? I was in ninth grade. My brother was in twelfth grade. My brother's friend um, we always rode to school together. A lot of times he'd ride back with us. 
And my brother's friend, who is also a, a senior, and he was a very large individual. I think he was Dutch. And so he, did you catch that? I'm just kidding. I know those are words. It's a reflection on my heart. I'm sorry. Um, like meaning, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So here he is, and here he, he's coming, and he's, he keeps harassing me, and they'd always make me sit in the middle of the two of them in our pickup truck with a big, long bench, and they'd punch. They wanted to see who could bruise my leg the most kind of thing, and they'd always punch me, and I would just have to take it and live with it. But it toughened me up, right? But then I remember one day we finally get out of the house, and he just, I had had enough, and he just goes, you're small and weak. I remember those words. He said, small and weak. And I was. So he was correct in some ways. But I was so fed up. I was so fed. He just said, you're so small and weak. And so I just hauled off and I kicked him right where men don't want to be kicked. And so being small, I recognized what I did and I ran. (laughs) I did. I ran, started running down the street. And finally when I thought it was safe, Maybe he was already at the hospital by then, I don't know. And I, I get inside, I lock myself in the bathroom until my mom comes home. And I still remember those words. And I kept, I, I, you know how many times I have replayed and rewound those words in my life when things aren't going my way. And when people tell me I can't do something, I go, I'm small and weak. And it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that I go, but he is great and he is strong. And I keep replaying those words. Let me tell you now, those words are no longer impacting my heart. But for years and years and years, they did. That's the power of language. That's the power of words. And here's what we have to ask ourselves. Are we really considering the power of our language and what it's doing to people around us? Because honestly, what we normally do with our language is we use our language Right, Even when we build other people, when we encourage others, it's really trying to encourage their behavior because they're doing what we want them to do. Right? If a kid cleans a room, we're like, oh, you did an amazing job cleaning your room. Why? Because we want them to clean their room every day. Right? Whenever my kids, they take out the trash, I give them a piece of chocolate. So the next day, they take out the trash, I give them another piece of chocolate. Right? It's just incentivized. I don't really do that. I'm trying to make a point. Right? Like, that's what we do, though. And so we don't, do we really even understand what it is to encourage people spiritually? Not encouraging their behavior because their behavior is what we want it to be. But do we know what it is to encourage people and to edify them and to lift them up with our language and our words to be who God wants them to be? Do we even know how to do that? Our words are tremendous in power. And a few words can alter someone's trajectory. A few words can alter someone's path. It can alter where they're walking in life. And sometimes we don't get how important those words are. Words are powerful. And according to James, our words are the number one indicator of what we believe. That's incredibly important. We're going to be looking and walking and running through part of James chapter 3 today. If you want to go there with me, James chapter 3. But one of the things that we learn from from James and God's using him to give such a great message. And he's letting us know that our words are one of the primary indicators of what we believe. Where we place our faith. What we hold on to what we deem to be important, what we deem to not be important. Our words reveal all of those things. And so here in James chapter 3, 
I want to start reading. I'm just going to read the first six, seven verses today. That's it. And as I, I'm just going to read through, and I'm going to be stopping along the way. And I'm going to be pointing out some things that I think are incredibly important for us. So let's begin. James chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what he says. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now leave the scripture up there if you would, please. But I need to go ahead and stop there. This is a passage that messes with me. Throughout my last 20 some odd years of pastoring and working in the church, I've struggled with this passage because it says, if you teach, you're going to be held more accountable. Now you can guess which part of that I don't like as much. And we all know, listen, I, I have admitted before you before, my, my spiritual gift is harassment and, and sarcasm, right? I've done it today. And I have to work on it all the time. I have to work on it all the time knowing that my words matter because I, I don't mean anything meanly at all. I'm just joking around, having fun. But it can be taken the wrong way. And so I have to be careful. I'm not, you know, that's a weakness. I might have to, you constantly have to work on your words, now, the irony is a lot of people who, who have to, they, they really get kind of jaded by sometimes someone who kids around too much is often they say nothing. We are just as accountable for what we don't say as what we do say. Are we speaking the truth of Jesus Christ in encouragement and in hope and letting people know his power and his strength, Ephesians chapter 1? And so I look at it and I go, okay, wait a second here. We are going to be held accountable and there's a great responsibility. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Literally, the Greek here means, the word stumble means to fall or to trip. We all trip up, right? We all have that process of learning what it is to be a believer, of giving your heart to Jesus Christ, even learning how to speak words of encouragement and hope. We have to go through that process. I think about our kids when they started to learn to walk. Y'all remember when, you don't remember when you learned to walk, but maybe when your kids or grandkids or a neighbor's friend, someone learned to walk, and you see that, and it's so cute, isn't it? I, I remember our first child learned to walk when he was about nine months old, and I thought I had at least three, four more months of freedom. And so I, I broke his knee. And so I'm kidding. See, that's, I'm trying to make a point here. That's what we do with our words, Right? That's what we do with our words, and then it throws people off, and I've got to be so careful with it. But he started walking when he was nine months old, and all of a sudden, you know, they start to walk, and when they start to walk at first, they're always leaning forward too much on their toes, and so what do they do? They fall forward, and they hit their face, or they grab their, put their hands out, hopefully. They catch themselves, and they're, they're always falling. They're always tripping up. And sometimes that's what we do. We fall, and we trip up because we're learning how to use our speech we're learning how to surrender our hearts to Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's, it's ugly at the beginning because we're falling all the time. We're falling all the time. And sometimes when we use our words, it can be really, really bad. I mean, to go right along with that, my, my youngest child, when he was just a couple years old, he's running around at the area of the church that we were passing in Connecticut. And he was with one of my best friends, even to this day. And he was just learning to walk. He said, well, just make sure you watch him. He's like, I've got kids too. I know how it is. I'm like, okay. And of course, what's he do? He falls and he hits a rock right there. And he's bleeding all over the place. He ruined the shirt. Like, that's all I really, I was like, his shirt. And he's like, blood. And like, we're having to take him. Like, we had to glue it, right? And 
put his head back together and all that he's saying. Like, that's what happens. And sometimes when you stumble and fall because you use your words the wrong way, it can cause a bloody mess. It really can. It can cause a mess. And so we have to be careful with our language and what we're saying. And what he says here is we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He's just telling them, guys, none of you are perfect. Know the incredible value in what you're saying and what you're trying to communicate. None of you are perfect. None of you. And so, hey, you need to know. You need to understand that you're going to stumble and fall, but you have to understand the value of your language and your words. And he comes into verse 3 and he says, and he uses in verse 3, three, three through 6, he tells three illustrations to help us see the power and the influence of our language. He says, when, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And then he says, how about ships? Although they are so large, driven by, by strong winds, they are still steered by a very small rudder whether, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. And he, he goes into consider a great forest. It's set on fire by what? Just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course. Here's what it does. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And so you look at these passages, you look at these words, and you go, how does that influence me? Well, one of the first lessons that we learn, and it's right there on, on your notes, is that you're going to learn that our words actually test our self-control. Our words test our self-control. Another way of saying this is our words reveal, they show what has captured our heart. Our words show or reveal what has captured our heart. They test our self-control. Why? Because our, our speech says volumes about who we represent. And so you have to ask yourself, who are you representing? Another thing that you learn right away is all three of these illustrations, every one of them, you have a spark, right? Just a spark and then a great forest fire which can destroy everyone around them. You have a, a, the rudder of a ship which can direct its course, right? But also just a small bit in the, the mouth of a horse and you recognize, you see that the tongue is small only in size, not in influence. And this is something that people have spoken about for years and years and years and years and years, and we know how small the tongue is, but it's only small in size, not in influence. Our words matter, and our words reflect and show our heart. It directs the course of our life. It steers our life in the direction in which we are going, but also it can devastate those around you. That spark causing a great forest fire. You think about just uh, this last year down in Tennessee, in the Gatlinburg, Tennessee area, and some kids set a fire with some sparks, and all of a sudden, hotels and everything else are burning to the ground. That's the damage that it can cause. That's the devastation that it can bring. But all of these illustrations are a reminder to me that our words are to reveal Christ not protect self. One of the greatest ways we use our words is to try, it's called self-preservation. 
We want to preserve us. We want to protect us. We want to protect ourselves. That's why we lie is because we lie because we want to protect our own uh, well-being and what we desire to happen in life, right? And so we know that our words are to reveal Christ, not protect self. As you read through these illustrations, another thing that we learn is that our words corrupt. Our words can corrupt. It says, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Um, you know, the, we, you've always heard, you know, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, right? Words may never hurt me. That's a lie. And I know the purpose of it, but words hurt, don't they? Words hurt. And the struggle is because of sin and the fall of man and where we are, some of us, a lot of us, maybe we don't even know how to really use our words to encourage others and to really build them up and say, you've got this. No, live in grace, not in guilt. And you don't, we don't even know how to do that. We don't even know how to do that because of the sin in our own life and the insecurities that we have in life. But our words matter and our words can corrupt others and they can influence others. Listen, if you're tearing others down and you're forcing others to live in guilt versus the other, which is allowing people to live in grace and building them up with your language and your words, that's being used by Satan. Right? Because God instructs and he says, this is how I want you to speak to one another. Know the power of your words. Are you building up or are you tearing down? Are you allowing others to live in grace or to live in guilt and captivity to themselves? Our language matters. And so often we don't even, we don't even know how to give people spiritual encouragement. I remember a lady walked up to me. I shared this recently with some of the staff even um, because I read it in a book. I was like, oh, this happened to me once. And I remember um, this lady, I think she was trying to compliment me. I'm not real sure. You know, it's a bad moment already, right? Um, And after a message, I just got through preaching. And I had preached the night before and then preached twice in the morning. And I was just tired and exhausted and all this and he walked up she goes you know what that was a really good message it's more like how you used to preach <laughs> believe it or not I found no encouragement in that statement she basically said hey for the I mean what I all I heard was hey for the last couple of years you stunk but you used to be awesome Right? Our words matter. What we say matters. And I I think we struggle at sometimes even knowing how to encourage someone spiritually with our words, possibly because our heart's never been surrendered to Jesus. In fact, here's what words really do. Because we can talk about words all day long. It's just how I began with Ephesians chapter 1. We can talk about our language all day long. But unless your heart, unless the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, they won't matter. And so I had a friend of mine bring me this laser. And I'm not going to aim it at any of you. I don't want anybody to go blind. Um, but you can see it right back there in the corner. If everybody could, That's our physical exercise for today. Everybody turn and look at that laser. Everybody see the laser there, right? 
So there's the laser. Now, I want you to do me a favor. It's right back there in the corner. If you watch that laser, I'm literally going to move this. I, I've looked at it. I'm going to move it one inch and watch the, watch the laser on it. I'm going to move it one inch right there. Now look at the laser, middle of the wall. One inch. I barely moved the, the, the position of this, and yet that's how much it impacted the trajectory of where that laser would end up. Your words matter, and your words are setting trajectory for your life, but also for the lives of others. And if you're careless with your words, you need to know that they can impact other people in massive ways. Just a small shift changes it that much. Our words matter. And when we can start removing ourselves from our language because our hearts have been handed over to the king of kings, they can have far greater impact. Here's my question. Where are your words directing other people? Where are your words directing other people? Last week I asked everybody to, to start asking um, spiritual questions. I gave two opportunities, two different questions I wanted you guys to ask of people in your life. I said, you know, how can I pray for you? But also, hey, what's God doing in your life right now? I've got another homework assignment for you this week. I want you to keep doing that, by the way. If, if you can ask every single day, this is something I just do in my own life. I try to, at the end of the day, I want to know if I've asked people spiritual questions. Spiritual questions point to Jesus, not to Joel. That's why. And so I always want to, hey, how can I pray for you? Or, hey, what's God doing in your life right now? I always want to ask that of someone throughout the day. But my challenge for you this week is to encourage three different people spiritually. Now, I didn't say just to encourage them. I said to encourage them spiritually because here's the problem. Saying, hey, I love the way you dress. That's not encouraging them spiritually necessarily. Right? I'm not saying give three compliments. That's a different thing. Giving three compliments is different. I want you to encourage three people spiritually. I'm going to give you an example of uh, when you look at someone and you see the gifts and the talents that they have and you go, oh, my goodness. Do you not see how God can use your life to do phenomenal things in his kingdom? It's really astounding. And I'm so excited to see that happen in your life. And if there's any ways that you need me to pray for you, I want to pray for you. And you, you see how that, that encourages spiritually. That's not a compliment. That encourages spiritually. That has eternal impact. Right? Because whatever people hear, your words matter because of this. If all people hear is, hey, I love the way you dress, you know what they're going to give more time and value to? What? The way they dress. But if they start hearing language like, hey, I love how you have the talent of, honestly, you have an amazing voice and you have amazing leadership and I know God's going to be using that in the church. How can I be praying for you as you make that journey? And they start hearing that from people, you know what they start to invest time and energy in? how they can invest in the kingdom of God. Your words matter. 
But really, they're just showing a reflection of this in your heart. So many different times in our own lives, our words are just utilized to make a point, to correct someone that we think is doing wrong. What if our words started pushing others toward Jesus? Like just pushing others toward him. Just pushing and pushing and pushing. Listen, we need... We need to start using our words to tell people about Jesus Christ. Like that's what we have to do. So the reason I say, listen, that's, first of all, it's a great commission. It's the word of God. The word of God says that in Matthew chapter 28. But to go even further with it, listen, here's what happens. Is I'm going to walk up to someone and say, can I tell you what God's doing in my life right now? And they're going to say, okay, nobody's ever said no to that. Please don't be the first. That'd be awkward. But then I'm going to say, hey, what's God doing in your life right now? And they're going to say, I don't know if he's doing anything in my life. And he goes, I don't even really believe in God, whatever they may say. And I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ. Here's the worst thing that happens when I tell someone about who God is and they reject it. Here's the worst thing that happens. Well, I don't believe in God and I'd rather you not talk to me about it. That's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And to me, that's not even bad because then what they don't recognize is they just gave me prayer requests. You don't think that night I'm going home and I'm going, God, be with Chuck and let his heart be open and soften to your truth and your word and your mercy. That's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, guys. And one day in this country, one day it may be worse. But let me tell you, Ephesians chapter 1 is true when he says, let me know, let me tell you about the strength and the might of God that he wants to have in your life. In fact, it's the kind of strength that raises his son from the dead. We need to start using our words to show Jesus, not to get what we want. We need to start using our words to paint a picture of the greatness of grace and mercy, no longer, to have, no longer having to live in guilt and shame. We know that our words reveal our heart, but our words also shape our heart. Will you let Jesus shape your heart? Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your love and your mercy. And God, you're constantly, I'm constantly in the battle of making sure that my heart is being communicated with the right words. But it gives me hope knowing that we're all going to stumble, we're all going to fall, but you allow us through your love and mercy to get back up and to keep walking, to keep speaking truth and grace. May every single person in this place today live in your truth, live in your grace, live in that very place knowing they can open up their entire lives to you because you are a God of awesome forgiveness. God, may we call out to you. May we be open to you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.